Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our nature, it's in our nature to look for justice, for, for balance. When we see a terrible calamity, it's unsettling to think that such a devastating occurrence could be random. Now, we, we, no, we have to find a reason for this. A woman is brutally assaulted. Well, did you see what she was wearing? And what was she doing out late at night at a bar anyway? Doesn't she know that she was asking for that? A man ends up homeless, unable to hold down a job, broken by drug addiction. Well, he's the one who took the drugs in the first place, got himself addicted. Nobody made him do that. But that's what uh, happens. Uh, and this, is, this thinking is what happens when, um, when we see tragic events. We're always trying to find a reason for it. There has to be a plausible reason, an explanation. Two cars collide. Someone dies. No drunken driving. No one was asleep at the wheel. It's just a chance occurrence. And there's no explanation for it. There's no explanation that would lead us to the point where we can be comforted by the moral of the story. You know, well, there's a reason that this happened. It wasn't random. Because, see, if there's a reason that it happened, I'm in control of my destiny. And it can't happen to me unless I fall into that same sin, whatever it might be. No. It's just random. Some things are just random. Some things just happen. And there's nothing that you can do to stop it from happening. And when something like that does happen, as a society, you'll hear people using words like senseless and tragic. And they're accompanied by an outpouring of sympathy for the innocent parties that were involved. As though that same gentleness and compassion couldn't be extended to someone who we say brought it on himself. You know, he did this to himself. In our gospel lesson, we have a cohesive statement from Jesus on this concept. Some people came from Galilee with news reports of an awful, terrible occurrence. I have to correct myself. They came from, came from Jerusalem because they were at the temple. But they were Galileans. While Galilean, Galilean men were there offering sacrifices to God in the temple, Pilate's soldiers came in and carried out an execution of them. Now, it was forbidden by the uh, law of the Jews for any Gentile to enter the temple except for the outer courts. They were, there was a special place where Gentiles could come. But if a Gentile came any further than that, it was actually punishable by death. So here are these Gentile soldiers operating under Pilate's orders, and they come in at the moment when these Galileans are offering the sacrifice, which is a high and holy time, and they come in and kill them, and that thus they literally mingle the blood of these Galileans with the blood of the sacrifices that were being off, offered. It's a, this is a multi-layered tragedy. 
It resulted in the death of these Galileans, most likely people that Jesus and his disciples would have known. Um, And it was, of course, utterly blasphemous. The Roman soldiers and Pilate exhibiting contempt for the Jews, for the temple, and ultimately for God. Jesus, they come to him. Surely there's a reason for this. There's some hidden sinfulness in those Galileans that they would have brought this on themselves. And listen to Jesus' response. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Seriously, Jesus, this terrible act that Pilate carried out was not a direct judgment from God on some sin that they had in their lives. So Jesus gives another example. This one's a little more benign because uh, this is the tower, a tower in the Jerusalem complex that collapsed and killed 18 people. You can read about this in secular history also. Um, Not an act of a man such as Pilate, the governor, just a failure in the wall, and the tower fell. It wasn't a bomb, battering ram, or anything like that. Maybe it was poor maintenance of the masonry. Uh, whatever. It was just a chance occurrence. The tower fell, and all these people were killed. And this was very familiar to uh, two people that were living at that time. So they knew exactly what he was talking about. And the point here is it just happened. So, were these 18 people worse offenders than everyone else in Jerusalem? Did they bring this on themselves? Jesus says, no, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus is saying here that when you see a tragedy, you shouldn't presume to identify the sin that caused it. But rather, with humility, consider your own fate and your own sin, and repent of your sin. You know, many times over the years, Pat Robertson, you all know Pat Robertson, CBN, you know, Christian Broadcast Network right there in Virginia Beach, uh, 700 Club. He has a way of getting attention for the things that he says, you know, to uh, highlight uh, various things. Anyway, he has been accused of, of intimating that Hurricane Katrina came as a judgment against the United States for the sins of our nation. Now, I've done a little bit of research and looked at that, and maybe he did, I I don't know, but I I listened to what he said, and and I'm not convinced that he really said that. but, um, But let me just say this, and this is not directed at him, but he's an example of like someone who does oftentimes go out there and say something and attribute things, you know, God's wrath, God's judgment in a direct way. If someone says this is definitely a judgment from God, that person is wrong. And if someone says this is definitely not a judgment from God, that person is wrong. Maybe it is God's direct judgment for some sin. Maybe it's not. Don't know unless God has revealed it. Um, 
Uh, maybe it is. We, we just don't know. But our response to a tragedy such as a hurricane or a shooting or whatever it is should be one of repentance for our sin. Okay, we see a tragedy and we repent of our sin. And then we're grateful to God for preserving our lives thus far. And then we have a renewed spirit of contrition and humility. And then also an imminent desire to minister the gospel to unbelievers. Because we don't want people to suffer this fate. It's a reminder of the cause of the effects of sin in our world. That People can die at any moment. So it should renew in us like this desire to share the good news. Now, there are some examples in Scripture of specific judgments, and I'll give you one here. This is from um, uh, Acts 12. Now, Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. I'll just pause for a moment and say you can kind of see that this is not headed in the right direction. They're attributing to Herod that he is, the God, he is God. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. So there is a striking example of swift and immediate judgment of God. But generally speaking, we shouldn't be so quick to try to pinpoint the cause, the blame, uh, and forget about our own sinful nature. So Jesus says, unless you repent, you likewise will perish. When you see the tragic events of death and destruction in Ukraine, it's awful. I mean, when you see what's happening, it's awful. So what do we do? We cross ourselves in remembrance of our baptism. We repent of our sin. And we thank God for sparing us from that fate. We don't sit there and try and rationalize it and say, well, this is happening to them because of this. They did this thing and this is... No. Don't rationalize it. Just be grateful that you are not suffering the same fate. When you see a person suffering from cancer, how do you respond? We cross ourselves. Repent. Give thanks to God for sparing you. When the child next door is hit by a car and dies suddenly, unexpectedly, you cross yourself. Remember your baptism. Repent of your sin. And thank God for sparing you. Well, I thank God all the time for sparing me. The things that I did when I was a kid, extraordinarily dangerous things. <laughs> oh, yes. There's urgency. There is urgency in this call for repentance, and we continue in the next part of the gospel to understand why. Okay, This parable that comes after is directly related to what's happening in this first part. Jesus teaches us with a parable. We have here a fig tree that has been planted in the vineyard. It's not randomly there. Notice that, first of all. It's not just randomly like a weed that sprouted up in the middle of the vineyard. The owner of the vineyard planted a fig tree there. He has the right to expect fruit from the tree. 
I know a few of you are gardeners, and so you know what this is like. I mean, if you plant something, you expect something from it. Don't tell me this tomato plant is just to look pretty. I'm expecting tomatoes out of this. And the owner of the vineyard has a right to expect this fig tree that he's planted to bear fruit. So after three years and no fruit, he's justified in saying, cut it down, throw it out. It's wasting space. I'm not going to abide this fruitlessness. So in this parable, it is a, an allegory. The vineyard refers to the people, Israel. And the fig tree is Jerusalem, planted in the midst of the people, Israel. The owner of the vineyard is God the Father. And the vine dresser is, you've probably guessed by now, Jesus Christ, the mediator. Jerusalem has been planted in the midst of Israel. And the fruit that God is looking for is repentance of sin that comes from faith. But sadly, he finds none. It's not that God the Father is wrathful. It's reasonable that he would expect repentance, and yet none is forthcoming. So we don't look at this as God the Father being wrathful that he says, tear it up in judgment, tear up Jerusalem. There's no repentance, get rid of it. It's not right that it should waste the land this way. This isn't his... This isn't a wrathful thing. This is a reasonable expectation he has. But nevertheless, the vine dresser, wait, wait. Let me tend to it. Let me dig around and put the best fertilizer in and care for it. Just give me a little more time and let's see if it will bear fruit. And if it will, then well and good. But he's realistic too. If it won't, then you can tear it out. Thus the call to repentance is urgent. Jerusalem has been called to repentance and thus far has not repented. You'll recall from last week that Jesus refers to Jerusalem as the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. And Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem. The time for repentance is now. He will go to Jerusalem. He will suffer at their hands. He will die there. Just as the vine dresser in this parable is the mediator for the fig tree, Jesus is the mediator for all humanity. 1 John 2 my little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Romans 8.34 Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is, indeed is interceding for us. 1 Timothy 2. For there is one God and there is 
one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Hebrews 7, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Last verse I want to read is from Hebrews 9.24. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. God, our Father in heaven, is patient, so patient and so long-suffering. He doesn't desire anyone to suffer his wrath. He waits patiently, hopefully, for the gospel to be proclaimed and for more people to be saved. So hear the Savior, the mediator, speaking to you. Repent. Turn to Christ, your mediator. He has died for your sins. He has been raised for your justification. Come to Christ. Come, come to him. Repent of your sins and believe his promises. Receive his promises with faith. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.